Welcome to Coffee Clutch Connection. Michelle Mink joins me, a dear friend and colleague, to share her story and her family's story. Michelle and I have had many, many, many conversations. This is one of the hardest conversations she and I have had, and we wanted to share it with you. At seven months pregnant, Michelle discovered no fetal movement. She lost her baby. In Canada, in 2020, there were 3,063 families who shared this loss with her and her family. Often, this loss is it's not recognized by society. It's not recognized by families, friends. There's just, it, it's just an unbelievable journey. And I am so grateful that Michelle has wanted to share her journey. We need to have this conversation as difficult as it is. Have a listen to Born Sleeping. Hey, Michelle, how are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me today. Oh, thanks for coming on. And I know this is, I mean, this is so personal, this story for you, um, you know, just surrounding your loss with Chase. And um, I, I just find that in my world, in my work as a nurse, and that when I encounter it, um, am I saying the right things? Am I, you know, because it does, it does happen. And um, I'm very aware of, I never want to make um, anyone feel that they're not heard, that they're not loved, that, you know, in the whole realm of fetal loss. And I'm so thankful that you're here uh, today to share your story because um, I think uh, you're a great help to a lot of people who encounter their own loss. Um, just some quick statistics, over 3,000 stillborn births in Canada every year. Um, and it equates to, I think it was like 8.4 a day. That's mm -hmm. a lot of loss. And it's also a loss that many people in our society don't want to um, admit they just kind of want to block out and, um, they, you know, it's referred to like disenfranchised grief. It's not an accepted loss, but it's a loss, um, that we all have to become more aware as healthcare providers, more aware as members of society. And we have to allow parents to grieve and to acknowledge that loss, because um, as you know, it's very real. So thank you so much, um, my friend, for being brave and uh, sharing your story. So mm -hmm. I'll, I'll just let you go run with it. Amazing. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, this morning, I was reading an article about um, the Ukraine, there's like a woman who was, you know, pregnant, hadn't given birth to her baby. And, you know, they're pulling her out on the stretcher. And I guess like she, when she arrived at the hospital, she said, you know, just kill me now because she found out her baby had passed. Wow. And so, you know, it's like, no matter where I go, there's like a story that, you know, can, can bring it back for me. 
and it just, you know, it's easy to relive. So, um, you know, it's been really interesting for me because I've had a miscarriage and a stillborn. And I feel like, you know, there it's kind of hushed really quickly. Um, and so it's been really interesting to process and also to, um, you know, meet a community of women and know even like, you know, close acquaintances and friends that have also experienced this and just like that there, it is kind of um, underestimated the pain and the grief and the process of how, how to handle it, how to support people with it and how to um, encourage people to move forward through it. So um, my personal story really begins um, that I had like a beautiful first pregnancy. You know, I really was kind of really ignorant going into the rest of, of trying again. Um, my first pregnancy was just like beautifully perfect. It was like from a movie, you know, it's like 8 a.m. The sun was shining. I mean, it came out in like two seconds, you know. Um, and, you know, so then shortly after that, only six months later, I think after he was born, I, I got pregnant again and uh, and had a miscarriage and it was extremely painful for me. I, I don't think my yeah. mind could even grasp what was happening. And even my own family, like they didn't really understand how to support me, how to encourage me. And I went into like a very, very dark time. You know, I feel like it really, I almost think I might've been depressed for like two years after, mm -hmm. um, you know, until we, until we had like the strength to try again and to, you know, emotionally again. And, and it was hard because, you know, I could, I would compare myself to friends who were like, oh, I had a miscarriage too. And don't worry, I got pregnant, like, you know, right away after. And, you know, so there, the way even like, you know, people would try to comfort me wasn't really helpful. Um, there was a lot of, you know, pain and shame that came with it. I think that was one of the most surprising things is the shame that I felt, you know, was there something wrong with me that I couldn't carry a child? Um, is there something wrong with us? Like, are we going to be able to have another child? The questions that came up during that time were, you know, profound, you know, it made mm -hmm. me question um, a lot of things, my spirituality, my health, you know, it really brought a lot of things to, to fruition. And, um, you know, we decided, okay, we're going to, we're going to try again. I think we were, we were strong enough to do this. I felt a lot of, you know, changes happening in my personal life. I was an opera singer at that time and, and ran a very successful opera company. And, um, but I, I felt like, you know, this baby, I just could feel like I wanted change with this baby. I wanted to like, you know, really, um, kind of close things down or pass them on and discover something you know, new for myself, maybe just, you know, mm -hmm. teach locally, teach some kids music and, and enjoy my time being a mom. Um, but you know, the universe had other plans for me. And um, at about seven months old, um, we, I couldn't feel movement one day. Wow. And I called my midwife and um, went in to go check for a heartbeat. And there wasn't one. And there have been complications before he had had like something wrong with his umbilical cord. We had known mm -hmm very early on and the whole pregnancy had been kind of stressful. Um, but I was, you know, I, I was like, this, this has to work. Like, I'm sure it'll be fine. It'll work out. I'm, you know, usually a very, um, you know, I'm an optimist, you know, at the best yeah. of times. Um, but when, um, when he, when we, when we didn't hear heartbeat, it was like, you know, problem solving right away. Like, how do we tell this to my son who was like, so excited to meet his brother? Yes. Um, and, you know, how do we navigate this? I think one of the scariest things for me is like, you know, as soon as we didn't hear a heartbeat, I was like, can you put me under and take it out? Like, I don't want to experience this. Like, please do not make me deliver this child. And then they said that I had to deliver it. Oh. My mind was just like, this can't be possible. Like, how is this? How am I going to survive the next 24 hours? Yes. And so, um, you know, they induce you like they would for another pregnancy. And the grief um, that we had to walk through step by step of that was, sorry, it's been two years and it's still so raw. Totally, yeah. Um, 
was unbelievable. And I feel like really what made the difference for us is that we had a midwife advocating for us. Um, you know, in the meantime, I had a beautiful friend who had lost a child just a couple of years before. And she had had a very negative experience. She, um, there had been some complications with the baby and they weren't sure, you know, like if it was going to go, well, then it had to kind of, you know, we were, we are going to have to deliver it. And um, she did not have a midwife or anything like that. It was still a little bit earlier on, but um, when she delivered it, they put it in like a, a solid bowl, like a metal um, silver bowl. And just kind of, they said, you know, we'll be right back. And they left the baby in the bowl. Um, this is Calgary. We're talking about, this is like, you know, Western Canada. Um, and then just let her leave, left her a room in the, in the room alone with this baby in this bowl um, for an ex, like an extended amount of time. And, you know, she's still healing from this experience. And okay. so um, when it came time for my time to come, she was the first person I, I reached out to. And she said, you hold that baby. Yeah. Like yeah. you smell his head and you kiss his little nose and you count all the toes and fingers. And really with her support and her strength, she showed us how to grieve him and how to actually take the steps you know and our midwife was able to you know make sure that he didn't look too uncomfortable to witness um to hold um because I know our story you know is different you know like a lot of people can be traumatized by how the children come out mm -hmm. and um yeah and then we we decided you know to do everything it's amazing how it, when you're in it you make different decisions I remember being you know like going from this detached like no I don't want to see it I just want it out of me just take it out of me to you know holding it getting the pictures done um having my family and friends come to meet him hold him and I'm so glad that we did all that Yes. You know, and I'm so grateful that we had a midwife that took care of all that. Like she was really advocating for us. Um, she was just so beautiful, you know, walking us through the strength um, with strength and, you know, helping us problem solve in the moment. Um, but I look at so many people who do not have that support. Um, I know now I've, I know two or three other women who've had stillborns as well. And, you know, their experiences have been very different you know it's yeah. been varied um depending on like how far along the birth is or if they have support or who the doctor is um who the nurses are you know it all makes such a huge impact in how it's handled and just hearing the stories of how it's been so different for women and I know you have a story of a woman in the states that also is just so different it's like how is there not a universal handling of how you can you know take care of things that are so delicate um so you know, my, my story with Chase ends up being beautiful, you know, with his, with his death came my awakening, um, shortly after he passed, um, I'd always kind of been religious in my, in my past and kind of been spiritual. Um, but with the deep grief that came, you know, uh, like maybe some would think it's like a mental break or psychosis or something, something really wild happened. I, I remember saying numerous times to my husband, like, I, I think I'm losing my mind. Like, I think, you know, something's not right. <laughs> I just, um, I'm feeling th this shift and this change. And a few months, uh, maybe it was just a few weeks after he had passed, I kept waking up to the smell of lilies. And I know the smell of lilies because I'm extremely allergic to them. Because um, I don't really know the scents of flowers, but I definitely know the scent of a lily. And the first night, the scent was like overwhelming. Like my room was just like covered. It's like I had a bouquet underneath my nose. And I woke up and I told my husband, he's like, that's so strange. I thought I smelled lilies like down, down in the hallway yesterday. 
and the second night of lilies came um same time it was like 2 38 um same time um that i awoke to the smell of lilies and on the third night uh i woke up at 2 38 to the smell of lilies and i woke up and beside my bed was a vision of um an, a gentleman who looked like me he was he was older he wasn't a baby or a child um but in that moment that i, I knew that it was him and i recognized him immediately my soul almost remembered him um amazing and i held his face and i said oh it's you and the next morning i realized like i i had a visitation from our son chase and after that things escalated really quickly this it's we just celebrated his two-year birthday and um now i'm a full-time medium um he gave me a gift to to lift the veil to see the other side and shortly after that I started receiving a lot of visitors and encouragement um, and and I've been studying with beautiful mentors to make this my new passion and my new path. So as hard as it's been to journey through the grief um, and it's still there all the time, um, my son is constantly saying like oh come on brother like let's play brother or oh you know we're like Max what are you doing oh I'm playing tag with Chase you know he's his brother is like very much a part of our life and even though he's passed I feel like he's still a part of our family how we reference yeah. him how we grieve him how we honor him how we celebrate him yes and it's been a beautiful blessing so I, I still feel like he is a part of our family and um, the shift that I felt um, even while he was in my belly um it's amazing that I feel more connected to him now um spiritually than I ever did with him as as like in my body yeah and so um it's been a wonderful journey and um very unexpected very um surprising challenging and beautiful all at the same time yeah and that that's kind of my journey that's it's just you know Michelle it's just it's it's really beautiful and we've gotten to know each other quite well um, over the last couple of years um, and that but I think like if I look at the two examples yours and your friends right mm -hmm. um, these are teaching opportunities um, your friend went through this and what a gift she was to you and Dean well, absolutely right as as she was, she was like, this is what you should be doing. Mm -hmm. um, and to be able to do that because it's those little moments, because those moments are so they're, they're, they're moments. That's all you have. Right. Mm -hmm. And I know um, it, just in doing a little bit of research, like just research on this, um, I came across, uh, I don't, I don't even know what scary mommy's all about, but anyways, it was, it was <laughs> an article in scary Mom, mommy. And it was in relation to moms sharing their pictures of their stillborn babies mm -hmm. um, as part of the grief process and being so berated on social media. It's so and, interesting you bring that up, Julie. I honestly, I felt so nervous about every photo I've I've shared. Like, you know, like I, I post just the feet or I, I post just the hands. And then at times I posted his face because I'm like, he was our child, you know, yeah. and I know, I know it makes people uncomfortable. And I think there's a part of me that I don't really give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this, is, this is my family. Like, this is part of me. Like I've, I've created it. It came through me and yes. it's, it's life is as valuable as anybody else. Totally. And those, those pictures, I mean, you're right. Like 
you felt those little hands punch and those little legs um, mm -hmm. kick. And I think it kind of goes back to what you're saying, like with your gift he gave you, we, we are such a tangible and you and I've talked about this before. If we can't see it, feel it, touch it, taste it, hear it, it's not real. Um, but with this type of loss, it goes to the part of the, the whole society. Well, it's, we, we hush it up, but these babies, um, are part of families and every year over 3000 families in Canada go, go through this loss. This is a real loss and we have to stop putting it under the, under the carpet, like you know, sweeping it under the carpet. We can't but do you know, that. It goes, it goes a lot too with like our conversations about death. Like, you know, it just makes people uncomfortable. They don't, they don't want to acknowledge it. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to see it. They don't want to know about it. And when, you know, if, if somebody shares an image, like there's a beautiful picture of my mom who just passed away and Chase that I shared and um, I, on his birthday. And I was just like, you know, I have comfort knowing they're together, you know, and I just know that it made people uncomfortable. Yes. And I'm like, but I have to share my truth. I have to share uh, like how important both of them are and, and that I still celebrate them, even though they've passed, they're still present with me. Totally. You know, I, I, totally. St I still, they still need to be honored. They still can be seen even yes. though they've passed. Yes. Yeah. In that scary mummy article, um, it was really profound as I was reading through it, Michelle. And they had, what, how did it word it? They had stillborn is still born. You still birthed Chase. Yes. Right. And, and that's what we have to, we have to look at is these babes are still born. Um, and another term I came across and I love it is born sleeping. It yeah. Was I like that. Brilliant. Yeah. I really liked it. It was in an Australian a woman who, who shared her story of the loss of her daughter um, and said that she was born sleeping, but these babies are still born. It, like that's profound, right? And to be able to have pictures up, that's part of the family tree. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, like we have his little feed on like our family wall of photos. And I'm sure people are like, oh, you know, and it, it was even challenging when we had like a celebration for him. There were some of my family members that were like, oh, you know, why does Michelle have to make a big deal out of everything? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, but it wasn't just like a miscarriage. It was that, you know, um, and but I, I still even value the soul of a miscarriage that we yes. actually should even be having celebrations for miscarriages. Yeah. Actually, after Chase passed, we ended up having a celebration for the other child that we lost. We felt like it was a girl and we honored her as well because we felt like we hadn't honored her the same way as yeah. we had honored Chase. Yeah. Um, where a soul is a soul. Exactly. A soul is a yeah. soul, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think when people are uncomfortable and if people are uncomfortable with, with um, pictures, you know, get over your judgment <laughs> um, because being uncomfortable is where we grow. Mm -hmm. And it's the bravery and courage of moms like you um, who are are able to share their stories because it gives courage to those who aren't able to share their stories for whatever reason. 
Mm-hmm. And we need to start as a society. This is, this is what I think we need to start. We're all in relationships here. We had a relationship with that in that, 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 that fetus, that infant, that, um, um, that baby, you know, and we all have a relationship with each other and we have to stop with all this judgment and berating. I mean, people, even, um, John legend and his wife had a stillborn Mm -hmm. baby. Right. Mm -hmm. And they were berated. They had beautiful, beautiful photographs. They were berated as well over social media and and just saying, as you witnessed Michelle, Oh, you're making it all about you or you're making it all about um, Chrissy Teigen. He's married to, I think. Right. And, um, but if we can take somebody who is of that celebratory status and they share their loss and that that's bravery, that's courage, because at the end of the day, we're all people, we're all families, we're all humans. It doesn't matter what we do. But every each and every one, each and every one of us should, who have not suffered that loss, should feel uncomfortable. So we grow and we appreciate and we see you because um, disenfranchised grief kind of, well, it does, it comes into this, right? Where the loss is not acknowledged. Why are we letting people mourn alone? Right. And I, you know, it's, it's amazing because like the hospital, they offer lots of resources. They offer lots of groups and things like that. But I almost feel like the educational element has to be even like with just in society, like within families and friends. Yeah. Do what I mean? Because I, I feel like there are kind of structures in place, but um, there just needs to be more. You know, there needs yeah. to be more visibility. There needs to be more um, like support throughout the year, not just when you lose somebody, but are, are there celebrations? Are there remembrance places? Are there rituals? Are there ceremonies? You know, where, where can be these gathering places for even families and friends to understand yes. um, like the loss of the soul? Yeah, yeah. And I think in that, I mean, so you have the day of the loss, like in your instance, right? All of a sudden that day you lost your baby but you still had the due date mm-hmm. to go through, right? So here you birth beautiful chase. And then two months down the road or what have you, you have to say, oh, like this would have been his due date, mm-hmm. you know? And then, and then it's all of the whole processes of the losses or the loss that you didn't get to go through, right? Like, um, the first cry, mm-hmm. like that was the weirdest part. Yeah. 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 I think like birthing into silence is the, one of the most eerie feelings I'll ever remember. Yeah. You know, just like that quietness after that. You're just like, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. No, no, yeah. not at all. Did you ever find, um, because I do, I always want to make sure I'm saying the right things to people. Did you, um, with your midwife and that I would think midwives are probably more trained in this area than a clinical, um, absolutely. I I think so. I mean, they're just somebody to advocate for you. Do you know what I mean? There's somebody that like, that are constantly the in-between the doctors. They're making sure all your needs are being met. Um, they're going to the nurses, they're going to the doctors, they're coming back and direct, you know, like there's just a lot of, 
this beautiful in-between of making sure your needs are met. And I, I can't imagine the process without her. I would yes. have felt very in the dark. I think it would have felt much, much different. Yes. Yeah. And I think everything seems to be a medical event. Like as soon as you're admitted into the hospital, it becomes anything becomes a medical event. Right. And um, that's unfortunate because um, we're so, I was, I was in a, I was in a webinar last night, just listening to it. And our, and our healthcare system is very linear, right? Like even on, uh, I think it's public health, Canada, public health, Michelle, I found this, this resource, what to, and it guides you through fetal loss, right? But we're so linear and it's not black and white. And um, we have to bring the holistic back into our care. And, but we're so inundated as healthcare professionals with policies and procedures that everybody is, is scared to think outside the box. And when we don't think outside the box as a midwife or even an end of life doula, when I'm in that role, right? That allows me to think outside the box and be that advocate and take care of those little personal needs, like being that go-between um, one lady shared in her loss, um, they had this amazing nurse and they said, let's put a diaper on the baby. Mm-hmm. Right. And that was, that's just, that's just so beautiful because like humanizing it. Yeah. Humanizing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, my personal experience, they were really beautiful. They had made like, um, a little box for him. Like they had put a blanket around him, like had had a little hat for him and gave us a stuffy and we still have this box of like his belongings. And that was really lovely. We had some lovely nurses that did that. Um, but you know, what happens to the women who are too afraid to yeah. see their children or too afraid to hold their children? Um, you know, there's beautiful help um, like social workers that come in and like check on you, like, how are you doing? Um, but you know, like, what is the um, process for them? You know, do they still get the blankets? Do they still, um, you know, do they get the same care and awareness um, as somebody that's carrying, you know, closer to full term? Yeah. Because again, I, I just think uh, that's that, you know, there's no black or white, you know, there's just so many circumstances involved and um, details of, of things that could, that could happen, you know, yeah. and where is, where's the starting point, you know, for making sure that everybody receives the same type of love and care? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like, like you, you said, I mean, and, and looking at your friend who, I mean, I don't know, we, we don't know what happened and that, but how like years later, she'll never get over that thought no. of having that baby literally never. in a salad bowl. She'll never get over that. No. You know, and our, like my heart goes out to her, but this is where we can do so much better um, just within this whole, this whole realm of um, loss and just acknowledging that people's loss, this loss is real. This- Absolutely. And, and even just like, you know, for the women who need to have like DNCs, um, you know, like thankfully I, I didn't have to, um, but I know that that situation is also so traumatizing for women. Mm-hmm. You know, like here you are in this really medical sterilized environment, you know, having your baby aborted, you know, yeah. from your body. Um, where is the respect for the soul? Yes. Where Where is the care? 
where's the mementos, where's the ritual or ceremony around it? Yes. Um, that could be helping to, to bring closure and healing. Yes. You know, it's just, uh, I feel like that's definitely missing. I, I have so many friends who've, who've had the, that procedure and, you know, they can remember like the smell of the room. They can remember the feeling, the sensation. Like those are things as a woman, you do not forget. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So how to create that atmosphere, a beautiful atmosphere. Yes. Um, and not make it so sterilized. Mm-hmm. Um, just impersonal and yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, really profound. Um, and I think too, like um, when we were talking about doing this, this podcast, I think Dean had a very good point too. We focus so much around the woman. Yes. That we forget about the partner. The men, absolutely. I mean, that's that's one of the biggest things. You know, my husband was like, and I do feel as though we've experienced this because we know we're going to end up supporting people down the road or it'll be somebody else we know that we're going to be able to to love, like as my friend could love and guide me through it. I know that Dean and I will end up having that role at some point. And um, I think just his way of dealing with grief through loss is that, you know, it's all about the woman, you know, like, um, you know, when I had like, you know, frozen cabbage on my breasts um, and couldn't, you know, and had milk coming for Chase um, and was just, you know, in deep, deep grief about like how my body was processing the loss and that I still had to go through all of those things that should, you know, be providing a life. Um, you know, watching my, 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 my milk go down the sink was just like one of the most heartbreaking things. You know, oh, it's still, God, yeah. Um, you know, and I just remember my, like my husband, just like, you know, getting that frozen cabbage out of the freezer for me and making sure I'm okay. And, you know, like, did people ask him if he was okay? You know, yeah. I think that so much attention does go to the woman because all of that is happening and it is extreme. Like it is very intense, but you know, my husband, he grieved our child just as much as Chase. He's grieved, you know, in our other loss, we called her Ruby. Um, I always really hope that any woman that are, are, you know, watching this, who've had a miscarriage, like, please name your children, you know, even if you don't know, I just think it's so important to have that connection with them. Um, but we, you know, we, he grieved, he grieved our losses just as much as I, I did, you know, but it's not, there isn't a lot of men's groups for like pregnancy loss, you know, they blame themselves just as much as women do. Um, you know, I, I think that that's like a huge area that's, that's missing, you know, even yeah. like I could notice that, you know, when our social workers would come in, you know, to the room that they were talking to me, you know, they'd, yes. they'd reference Dean, but even like the, the care of like, this is happening to him as well. Um, yes. is, is that there, there isn't support for the men. And I honestly think that, um, like mental health for men who've lost children is like a very, very underrated, yeah. um, area. Yeah. You know, it's just like oh, men shouldn't be emotional. Like, you know, in society, I guess, like people still have this idea, but it's like, I think that that's, that's one of the biggest shames, you know? Yeah. Um, so Dean, you know, whenever we hear of somebody who's lost, like Dean just wants to be really open with those men and just be like, let me know if you ever need to talk, you know, he, he had a couple of people do that for him and it, it made a huge difference, you yeah. know? Yeah. 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 The hard part, like, especially, I guess, like, if you look at the man, okay, so the man, the the man has the dad, let's, let's say dad has lost the baby too. Mm -hmm. dad seeing the love of his life, Mm -hmm. go through so much grief and mourning. And I mean, oh, my gosh, Michelle, 
um, just how you described like watching your your uh, milk go down the drain. Like it's stuff that I I don't I can't even grasp because I, I've not been there. And I, I I mean I'm so like so so sorry. Um, like it's just sorry. It's just it's unbelievable. Um, it when when you're humanizing this Michelle and your bravery is so commendable because we all who've not suffered through this have no idea um you know like we don't think of all of that your body still goes through what would with a full term delivery yes you know um and so just like thank you um and our dads have to watch this so you know it's <laughs> like it's like the grandparents there's nothing harder as a mother or father watching your children go through something that you cannot help them with mm-hmm. so even as grandparents, they, they see what their children are going through. They're mourning the loss of a grandchild. Yes. You know, you're, you still have to be there for little Max, mm-hmm. right? And then to tell little Max that his brother isn't mm-hmm. coming home. Yes. Like, it's just, you know, I that just. Really hard. And, you know, and it's, it's amazing because, um, you know, children are so resilient. They have the most amazing way of understanding things. And, um, you know, we still like, you know, we do like happy birthdays and, you know, all those kind of celebrations for Chase. And Max talks about him um, constantly. Like even we were doing construction. Sorry if you heard some banging there, um, you know, and Max will tell people about his brother. He's like, oh yeah, and I have a brother, he died. And just like how he's able to process it has just been one of the most beautiful things and even having him as a distraction in our life after we lost Chase was the most beautiful gift like we couldn't grieve you know I couldn't just sit around and you know go into my dark room and and cry for months you know Max needed to be fed he wanted to be played with you know it was, it was a beautiful gift for us and I remember um sometimes he'll still get sad about Chase like you know I just really wish I had a brother and I you know I'll say oh I know honey and he says but you know what it's okay because I'll see him next time we live Oh, that's beautiful. I love the way children talk about death because, you know, they're always closer to where we've just come from. Exactly. Yeah, like where they've just come from, they're closer to that side than we are. And um, the way he's processed death has been healing for us as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. These brave little souls, and you and I have talked about too, how we always discount our children and our elders, and they're both closest to the veil. Yes. And us, and us in the middle, we just totally discount, but we can learn so, so much. Yes. These generations. Yes. Even, Um, you know, that um, somebody, you know, said, um, he was telling one of the construction guys um, about, they said, you know, I lost, I lost my brother and, uh, you know, he's always with me on the rank. My son loves hockey. And so like, I know that my son feels him. He feels the energy. He knows like, that is he's still very much with us you know and it's yes. it's just beautiful to have that reminder yeah. as painful as it can be some days it's just it's yes. a beautiful reminder and my heart just hurts for people who don't have other children 
you know, yeah. that this, that there's one friend I know that, um, she gave birth to a stillborn, um, before she'd had any other children. And I don't even know how you'd find the confidence or the belief to try it again, to experience yeah. that again. Yeah. And, um, but you know, we're resilient, you know, it's, it's yeah. amazing what time can heal. And, um, this work that I do now is so beautiful. I mean, it's, it always amazes me because I believe that even in my readings with people that I always feel miscarried children or, or children who've been aborted or stillborn um, because of my journey. And I know that that's part of my purpose now is to, to bring them through and to share messages of why they just touched down for a moment. Yes. And, um, and I, and I want to honor them that way and, and honor the parents as well. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, Michelle, I, being that, like, what was some of the words that people said to you that were very helpful? Um, I almost feel like actions are stronger than words in mm -hmm. deep grief. Do you know what I mean? I had a, a girlfriend, like, we couldn't speak um, when she came to, to see Chase. And the most beautiful thing was that she gave me a, a bouquet so that I didn't leave the hospital empty-handed. Oh my God, how beautiful. Yes, and I had, you know, like friends come over and clean my house and like, you know, scrub my floors and my toilets when I like didn't have the strength. And, you know, the food and, you know, I just feel like those are the most beautiful things is that you just show up, you just like, you're here. And yeah. it was right during, just during the, like COVID had just started that week. It was just crazy timing. Um, but people were just bringing things on the doorstep and just, and just showing me that they were there, you know, because really there's, there's not a lot to say, like, how do you say something? Yes. Um, so I, I do feel like actions are just, you know, if you're thinking of somebody and you want to do something, you just do it. Just do it. Yeah. Cause you know, I, I feel like talking felt like the hardest thing, you know? words words being expressed like it took me a long time to, to yeah. speak yeah wow um how's how's um how do you think that we can make this better as a society one thing i think you and i having this conversation yes is uh is definitely a positive um, thing. But how do we start to change society's thought on this loss? Because we do come from generations where, like we said, everything is swept under the carpet. And, oh, if, totally. we don't, and if we don't acknowledge it, it didn't happen. And, and again, it goes to the, the death and dying conversation. But how can we do this better? Is it through more of this, this um, platform, having conversation? Is it going to the healthcare system and say, you know what, I want to be a part of this change? Is it like, what is it? I don't know. I'm like, how do you release shame from society? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, I feel like, yeah. you know, for the women, I, I, you know, in the first thing that says like, I need the, the women need to share the women need to speak up. They need to be like me too. You know, I, I think it's more than one in three of people having miscarriages now. And, you know, 
I, I think the, the handful of my friends, for sure, the majority of them have had a miscarriage, you know, but would they ever talk about it publicly or, or share their story? Absolutely not. But I don't think that's fair because I think that to talk about grief is, is hard, Yes. you know? So yeah. it's like, how, how do we remove um, shame and taboo of talking about it? Why, why is it shameful? Yeah. Why is it shameful if a woman loses a baby? I'm like, where, where does that come from? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? No, why, and that's a really good question. Right? Right. Like, where does the shame come from? Because we shouldn't be shamed because we've lost a child. And and even for me, like, I remember, you know, I, it, like, people saw me seven months pregnant. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, they saw me not seven months pregnant. And the shame that I had in my body when I saw people was like, I, I, I felt like I would never leave my house again. I was just like, I don't want people to to see like to see me without without being pregnant because they're, they're yeah. going to know and then they're going to want to talk to me and then they're going to think that like I'm not healthy or that there's something wrong with me or there's something wrong with our child it was like immediate shame and I just like how could I delete that for women how could I embrace them and love them through that you know I yeah it's such a huge question to ask how how do you do it how and do you delete I- that shame? Yeah. And I, like, I'm hoping that this is one of the first steps into, into giving women courage and saying there are safe places to have these conversations. And there's, there's um, safe people because we all want to feel safe when we're being vulnerable, because I appreciate your vulnerability today. Um, You know, I mean, putting yourself out there, but there are safe places to to share your vulnerability and to share your grief. And there is, and I, you know, like, I think women are amazing at gathering, you know, and I think that women know that we're stronger together. There's beautiful Facebook groups out there. Um, you know, there's women, there's like, I, I belong in groups where like you share your baby's pictures, like you show their face, you say their name, their weight, like you celebrate your children. Um, no matter what they look like. And I've seen now all kinds of what, what has come out of women and, and it's, and it's healed me. And so I believe that it does exist. I think it's just more, I think it's maybe just going to take time. Yeah. And yeah. I guess the, my biggest thing is that what if it came from a place of celebration? Yes. Opposed to like, you know, um, hiding it away as quick as possible. And then, oh, no, no, she had a miscarriage a couple of years ago, but she's fine. You know, how can we honor like that miscarriage for the rest of that woman's life? Yes. Yes. You know, that you, you carried a being, you carried a soul in inside of your body. Like you are still magical. Yes. You know, that, that soul had purpose. That yeah. soul, you know, was, was special. Yeah. And yeah. Um, how can you celebrate them? Like, what do you do with your family on that, on that due date? You know, what do you do on the date that they, that they left your body? Um, how do you honor them with your family? You know, like we've got a name board of our family. And we have Chase's name on it, you know, same thing with like our family wall, we have his feet on it. Like he's, he's very much a part of our story, our family's journey. Of course. And I know that it makes people uncomfortable and that that's their own discomfort that they'll have to deal with. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, but I, I just encourage any women, um, even if, you know, you lost a baby like 35 years ago, you know, I meet women who are like, still can remember losing their child, you know, from like 20 years ago. And it's still like, it just happened yesterday. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. I think it doesn't matter like when you lost them, like just remember them, honor them, celebrate them, yeah. you know? And I just believe that that emotion can trump any type of shame or 
um, disappointment, knowing that they still have value. Yeah. They're still seen. They're still seen. And those babies were still born. Mm-hmm. Yes. They were they were born sleeping. Mm-hmm. It's just so beautiful. Michelle, thank you so much um, oh, for sharing today. Um, I think what we'll do too, um, Michelle, we'll get between you and I, we'll get some resources um, together and I'll add it to the description on the podcast and get some stuff on our website. And um, Michelle, I'm sure you're good with people reaching out to you. So tell them how they can get a hold of you. And if they want to just have somebody just to share in a very safe space. I mean, you can find me anywhere (laughs) on my website, um, michellemink.ca and I'm all over Facebook and I, you know, any women, especially who want to reach out um, and heal. And, you know, there's still a lot that I want to do. I even have a a dream. Like my next passion is really to even create like a foundation that um, could create flowers for like every woman who loses a child at the hospitals so that they leave a hospital with, with, um, with a bouquet in their hand, like my beautiful, beautiful friends who did for me. Yeah. And so, you know, my inspiration from my loss will continue on. And um, I'm here for anybody who, who would need, need to chat. Absolutely. And just know, ladies, you are loved. You yes. are seen. Yes. And, and perfect. You... And perfect the way, the way you are. And yeah. um, yes. Yeah. And dads too. And dads yes, too. the men. Oh, <laughs> oh yes. the poor men. I've always the afterthought in this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Michelle, thanks so much. You're Thank just, you. you're a true gift and uh, I love you as always. Love you. Thank you.